So it's okay to go to bed at the end of the day feeling exhausted if during that day you were expending your life force energy on the things that bring you joy, on the things that are in alignment with your soul. Welcome to the New Shoe Podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Cornell. I invite you with love into this space to learn and grow with me. And for a brief moment of the day, come home to yourself. What does it really mean to be a healer? We hear the word a lot, but what is our relationship to it? How do we step into our power while still owning our full humanity? And finally, how do we identify what is meant for us and what is holding us back from realizing our potential? I loved this conversation with Lauren Ash about her journey, her vision for the future, and how she navigates it all. We tackled all of those questions. If there is a part of you that thinks that you have unrealized potential to be a healer in this world, if you're already actively pursuing a path of offering healing in this lifetime, this episode is for you. Lauren Ash is a visionary, a spiritual teacher, and founder and CEO of the culture-shifting lifestyle brand, synonymous with Black women's well-being, Black Girl in Om. Black Girl in Om is a holistic lifestyle brand focused on wellness for women of color and its membership community, The Circle, focuses on connecting the dots between healing and wholeness. As a leading voice in the healthy living world, Lauren's brilliance has shifted how many of us perceive wellness and the industry that houses it. What I appreciate most is her outlook on what it means to be truly well, what it means to be whole, who wellness is for, and why healing in community is so important. I'm excited for you to listen in. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here, Vanessa. What does it mean to be a healer? When did that word come into your mind or enter into your consciousness? I remember a moment actually with my grandmother. It was either my sophomore or junior year of college. And I went to visit her at her little winter. She was a snowbird. (laughs) She um, was born and raised in Pleasant Hill, Louisiana, after she migrated up, after she married my grandfather up to Chicago and then eventually the Twin Cities, lived her life here, raised all the kids essentially on her own. She had retired and had made a home for herself in, in Arizona. And so I went to visit her and I had really bad cramps. And I had been so used to conditioned rather, that's why I was used to it, conditioned to always reach for a pill in order to soothe my cramps. I wasn't ever like officially diagnosed with endometriosis or anything like that. But looking back now, I definitely think that I had it. Every three months, four months or so, I would literally be completely debilitated from my period. Like I literally remember being in a finals test once at school and all of a sudden I felt completely nauseous, completely weak, and I had to stop the test and somehow drag myself back to my dorm in order to just lay down. So this was starting to come on as I was visiting my grandmother in Arizona and she just looks at me, she's just go boil some ginger. (laughs) And I'm not kidding you. It was a big moment for me because A, it worked (laughs) and B the ease with which she just gave that to me. So it was like, again, in that moment, I wasn't like, I'm a healer or my grandmother's a healer. I didn't even have that language, but it was a seed that was planted in me around the power that I do have to access 
natural resources that the earth provides in order to provide ease and and well-being in my body. And it was also later on, now that I'm really into ancestral healing and understanding rituals that have been passed on that may have been buried or silenced or what have you, I'm like, oh, that was her passing along something super simple. It's not like she was like, go do this and then do this and make a whole tonic and concoction. It was literally just like, chop up the ginger, put it in the pot, you'll be good. (laughs) But it was simple and yet it was profound for me, you know? Yeah. And I guess what strikes me in that story is that was like, she gave you an empowerment, right? She didn't give you a pill that was like something outside. You need something outside of you that you can't really control. You don't really understand to fix you. I think a lot of people have these sort of feelings, ideas, thoughts inside of them, right? So like, oh, maybe I'm not listening to my body or something's telling me something. And how does that translate into the choices we make and what we do? So can you talk a little bit about that in your own life and how you translate the things, the messages that come to you and how you process and listen to them and how you've gained a practice of hearing them? First of all, I do firmly believe that we all are always being given as I call them, spiritual downloads, whispers, divine whispers, spiritual breadcrumbs, (laughs) these messages that come to each of us in different ways. I receive a lot of messages in dreams. I receive a lot of messages through other people, like a random conversation I'll be having, but that person is like saying all these things that I'm like, no, God is speaking through you to me. I'm not as deep as I'd like to be in it, but numerology as well. And you see repeating numbers. There's this really powerful ancient wisdom of numbers. Numbers preceded any alphabet. It's not just a number. It's like a symbol that carries energy in it, in and of itself, that can really give you something that you might need in the way of a nod to a certain direction of something. I say all this to say and just affirm that I don't feel like I am particularly special. Like we are all able to receive messages and they just come in different forms. I was at a sermon when I was still living in Marina del Rey in California and um, it was at Agape with Michael Beckwith. And he went in about this really deep story that I'm not going to share, but it was heart-wrenching. It was basically a story where he had to learn the importance of listening when you don't have the rationale behind the thing, right? It's like, if God, if spirit, if your ancestors tell you something, It's in your best interest to not sit around and be like, okay, now let me put together the pros and cons. (laughs) Fine. Fine. If I do this versus if I don't, okay, let me even go to a spiritual healer and have them tell me. It's like, if you get the message, follow it. And ultimately at the end of his story, he shared obedience sharpens your ability to listen. So it's like when you follow through and now not six months from now, not 10 years from now, not when you're on your deathbed, when you follow through you will be met and tended to every moment. The steps will appear in front of you as you listen. And in the obedience, it'll sharpen your ability to listen even more. It's like a muscle. It's a spiritual muscle that's being flexed. So for me, I am so dedicated to a journaling practice in part because of this, because I'm able to page back and look through and be like, girl, now that you've been getting this message for years now, (laughs) a month now, (laughs) Or really just paying attention rather than I hear it and it passes through me and it 
just feels like a dream that's unattainable. I believe all of our dreams and all of our desires are really for us. Like, it's not like some fantasy that's like, oh, that would be nice one day. No, it's like for you. It really is for you. It has God's stamp of approval on it. And I'll briefly also touch on the power of human design in my life because that has been another powerful spiritual system that has absolutely supported me in my decision-making. Human design is informed by a few different spiritual systems, and it all came together in 1987 when the founder of the integrated system, Ra Uhuru, he basically downloaded and was, and was given how all of these various spiritual systems were in conversation with each other, including the Kabbalah, particularly the Tree of Life in the Kabbalah, the I Ching, which is a 5,000-year-old Chinese philosophy and archetypal system. Astrology, which most of us here probably know to varying degrees, and the Hindu system of the body, so the chakras. Put all these together in conversation, and there you go with human design. Human design, one of the more foundational kind of aspects of it is your authority. Where in your body is communicating to you the yes or the no, the expansion or the contraction, the this is for me or the this isn't for me. And I love it so much because. Human design is all about prioritizing the body's wisdom, prioritizing the body's intelligence. When, especially in Western culture, we've been so programmed to prioritize the mind. It's not anti-mind. It's just like the mind isn't actually what's supposed to make decisions, though. The mind isn't actually set up to keep you safe. The mind isn't what you're supposed to make these big choices from. When I guarantee everyone listening now... (laughs) (laughs) We have all been taught the opposite. We've all been conditioned in the opposite. And particularly as women and as a Black woman, the deconditioning that I've been in, like since finding this out around why it is that I haven't learned to trust my body and why it is that I haven't learned to honor what my body says. Again, obedience sharpens your ability to listen. How do I honor what my body's wisdom is telling me. My authority is my sacral. It's this gut feeling. It's this gut yes or no. And I've just been in this process of experimenting with it ever since I discovered it this past summer and and committed myself to now a lifelong journey with it. And it's been amazing. So much good stuff here, Lauren. I want to go back to human design. I want to talk about that more, but let's talk about Black Girl and Ohm. And let's talk about home. You know, so much of your work is about centering the experience of Black women and women of color, creating a safe space for those women. And I'm going to use your words here to rewrite the narrative of what well-being looks like to ourselves and in our communities. Tell me more about what you've learned about, like, the prevailing story, right? I love this. I'm actually going to grab my journal, which is right there, because guess what? This morning um, in the circle, which is our membership um, community at Black Girl Gnome, we had a beautiful prompt in our 21 Days to Abundance Challenge. And I literally wrote out a lot of the limited beliefs that I have been moving through right now. And it's related to a very hot topic for all of us, which is money. The prompt was, what limits me from receiving? what I want materially and other forms of abundance. This is like fresh for my journals, y'all. This is like vulnerability. It's so freeing to actually just speak and share because then it's out there and it can't keep you bound anymore. So I wrote down this, me being concerned about where it will come from. This has been huge for me. I have discovered through a lot of self-witnessing, self-study, again, journaling and reflecting on my life, 
that even with the opening of this healing space, right? I'm so thrilled that the community knows about it because now comes the fun, <laughs> letting people support. And in the past, my mind was like, you have to do everything yourself. It's going to be really hard. It's scary to even name an amount that you need. It's scary to even get clear on what your needs are because it feels safer, but it's not to just hide in the dark and pretend like it's just going to happen because of your own will to struggle and suffer in making it happen. And I've also realized how freeing it is to affirm that the abundance for all the projects that I have in the world, like the material financial support that it requires, it's already available. So all I have to do is embody my own awareness that like, because I am here, because I am literally a child of God, all of my desires and dreams are already blessed. So all I need to do is make it known what I need and then it'll be met. And it, it could come from the, from the fundraising campaign. It could come from some wealthy billionaire who's like, guess what? We're just going to write you a check. But it, it requires that I'm open to receiving that. I wrote it down as a limit because it's something that I'm still expanding within. Like I'm aware of it, but I'm still expanding within it. I'll just share two more. Because again, I know this is a hot topic and we need to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> not alone. This one's big. Not relishing and rest as a part of the process. I'm literally, I've been reprogramming myself since the fall around this. But I really have to shout out to my human design teacher and now a dear friend, Jazz of Moon Dust Our Mother. She expanded me so much when I was doing coaching with her. And she said that we believe so much that we work hard and then the money comes. Why can't we believe that we rest and then the money comes? Now when I get massages or when I go to the sauna, which are two of my nourishing practices every month, I'm, I literally go into the sauna and I literally get on the massage bed and I'm like, I'm earning money right now. Money is coming to me because I am giving to myself. Again, it's deconditioning. Everything about our Western culture is like work hard, then you make money. And then you're going to retire, but then you're going to retire. And then you're going to be like, what am I doing with my life? Because guess what? Also the work that you're doing was unfulfilling. Yeah. All of this so messed up. We were, we are literally sent here <laughs> to live a life of joy and freedom. And I'm like in my joy in my freedom. That's when the universe is like, she knows who she is. I'm going to support her. The last one I'll share is, is also a big one for, I think for a lot of us not sharing. So again, the question is what limits me from receiving what I want, not sharing and not allowing myself to be seen. I've realized this thing, and maybe other people can relate. You have this vision, you have this service, you have this offering, and you're like, I know that this is for me. I know that this feels nourishing to me, but you're like, I'll put it on my website, but I'm not going to tell anyone about it. <laughs> I've done that so many times. Hey, I did this year. It's funny. I had a human design one-on-one um, -on, -one on my website, didn't really announce it. Took it down two days ago. Why in the past 48 hours have people been like, hey, can I do that session with you? And I'm like, so I need to put it back up and I need to tell people about it. <laughs> but it's like, we're afraid of being seen and we're afraid of that for various reasons, whether it's rejected or being criticized. But I've learned in my experience that it's actually a fear of more success than I could possibly imagine. And when I say success, I don't actually mean material abundance exclusively. I mean, joy. Like it's, it, it feels amazing to serve people with your gifts. We're not programmed to believe 
that we can serve people and enjoy it. Yeah. So it literally is just like the brain and the mind is like, it can't compute it. So it just, it says no preemptively. When we notice that judgment and that um, energy of going back to old limiting beliefs, it's about giving ourselves so much grace and compassion because simultaneous in every moment, it's like the highest self is present. The highest self, Vanessa, is there who's like, girl, you got this. Yes. But then like the former version of you who was like meek or like afraid or like timid or not certain is there too. And it's like, holding space for all versions of ourselves while always pushing ourselves forward and knowing that we have the support to do so. Yeah. It's like that version of me, that's what if they don't like it, (laughs) that it's, I hear you, sweetheart. I know you're afraid and we're pushing it out anyway. So it's practice it's ongoing, but let's talk about human design. Talk to me about human design with respect to you, but then talk to me about like how different people can step into sharing their gifts with the world. Yes. I love this question. I love that you're also giving me space um, to speak about it because it was absolutely profound for me to meet the woman who I mentioned earlier, Jazz, because she is a black woman embodying human design, both in terms of the lived experience of it and also teaching it as a means of identifying your soul's purpose. So I'm just feeling grateful in this moment that you're giving me a a chance to share about it again as a Black woman who's now doing that because I know how much representation matters around various forms of healing modalities and spiritual systems. And so I'm just like knowing that many people will be transformed through this. So first of all, the way that I really understand human design as well is that around all of us having different gifts and a different reason for being here. If all of the world were in their purpose, in their gifts, in their alignment, we would literally experience heaven on earth. I view human design as a way of me expressing my own heaven on earth within myself and the community around me. So that's powerful. I don't view it as just another thing to understand myself more. It's not, it's not solely like a personality assessment or a personality thing. It's literally meant to awaken us so that we can experience joy now and fulfillment now. So for my human design, I'm a manifesting generator. I think 33% of the population are manifesting generators. It's debated within the human design community. Is it a hybrid of manifesting generators? And like the general consensus is that it's more generator energy, which generators are really meant to work. And I think we get triggered a lot when we hear this word work. Yeah. I have a lot of projects. I'm creating a human space. I'm writing a book. I (laughs) have a whole organization called Black Girl Gnome that is inclusive of a podcast, a membership community, (laughs) and several other things. And I'm creating several things like behind the scenes right now too. The, The key for manifesting generators and also for generators is you're meant to be working at what you love. So it's okay to go to bed at the end of the day feeling exhausted if during that day you were expending your life force energy on the things that bring you joy, on the things that are in alignment with your soul. There are other types. There are true manifestors. They're meant to really get the vision and have other people do the work on the behalf. There's projectors. They're not really an energy type. They receive energy from the collective. And they are meant to um, really always wait to be invited in order to share their truth and their wisdom. 
Um, and then there are reflectors, which are fascinating. They're only 1% of the population, but they're meant to reflect back to humanity what's good and what isn't in short. So anyway, I'm a manifesting generator. I'm really here to create and to work and to serve using my gifts. As I mentioned before, my sacral authority is that gut knowing. So every day, all day, I'm getting things to respond to. That is literally what I'm, that, what I'm, how I'm meant to make decisions. I'm not supposed to initiate. As a manifesting generator, I can oftentimes desire to be in that manifester energy, the manifester type energy, because it sounds like sexy, right? It's, ooh, I just get to tell other people what to do and they activate it for me, right? But truly, anytime that I reflect back on my career, on my life, when I was without initiating a response to something, and what I mean by this, I'll give a very simple example. If I today woke up and was like, I want to move to Hawaii. Life didn't give me any hits about that. No one said, hey, what do you, have you been feeling about moving to an island lately? Or like, I get a, an ask to go speak at a conference in Hawaii or someone's, would you like to come guide this retreat in Hawaii? I just am like, I want to go to Hawaii. I'm going to be frustrated. That's a signature sign of being out of alignment or of being in the not self to use human design language. I'm going to face resistance and I'm going to get frustrated. However, if all day, every day for like the next week, people are like, ooh, Hawaii, it's giving me something to respond to. And I'm supposed to really pay attention to my sacral response. Is it feeling expansive around Hawaii? Is it feeling contracting? Because your authority, whatever your authority is, people have emotional authority, ego authority, all the things that we're not going to get into right now. It's literally within you to keep you safe. It's hardwired within your DNA to keep you safe. And it's amazing too, because as spiritual as human design might sound in my individual studies of it now, which I've been nerding out y'all, it's so deeply connected to science and to now proven research around DNA and our codons. It is just mind blowing. It's mind blowing. I'll share one more thing about my human design that I think informs a lot of the work that I do. Human design, you also have a profile. It's basically a, a conscious and an unconscious part around how your personality shows up and how like the role that you are meant to play over the course of your lifetime. So I'm a two, four. I really appreciate that jazz has reframed a lot of these profiles. And so I'll use her language. Two, four is the magician and the infinite friend. So the two energy is all about having this magical quality to you so I have these magical gifts that are divine that other people notice in me that I don't even notice in myself. I've had friends for years telling me, Lauren, you're so into astrology. You need to be teaching this. And I'm like, no, just go over to this website and just share it with you. But I've had this intuitive, like non-research, non-studied wisdom that I've just picked up on for astrology. And now it's funny that I'm getting even deeper with human design and astrology is a part of it. And I've had people reaching out of the woodworks to be like, can you teach me who to sign? And I'm like, Amanda was right all those years. Okay. <laughs> but I get a lot of people who will even DM me on Instagram. They'll call attention to things that I'm just like, you loved that? Like, I'll, I'll share a video of me dancing. And they're like, you just brought me so much joy. I'm dancing now too. And I'm like, what? Okay. <laughs> so like twos don't really have to do the most for lack of a better way of saying it. Like, we're literally here to be ourselves and to express the natural gifts that we've had in us since we were children with the world. I'm not supposed to do anything for attention. I'm supposed to literally do all the things that little Lauren loved to do, which was reading, writing, singing, dancing, 
and like being seen. All my VHS tapes, I'm just like dancing to the Lion King and like doing the splits. And like my mom's just like videotaping me laughing. And it's like, that's literally what I'm supposed to do. Oh, and we like to be like left alone (laughs) in doing that too. So it's weird because as much as I love community and cheering, I also love being by myself and get really bothered if people are trying to come into my space when I'm just trying to be left alone. So that's a really big part of the two energy. And that's a part that I'm more conscious of. The unconscious, the four energy is the infinite friend. Again, I'm using Jazz's language for it because I just appreciate how she has reframed the profile energies. The infinite friend is, it's what it sounds like. (laughs) I have a beautiful, meaningful community. And it's my community that will oftentimes be able to help me thrive and help me succeed. And it's in the unconscious part, which is interesting because I think anyone outside looking in at me would be like, oh, of course she has a lot of people who support her. Of course she has a lot of people who want to help her succeed. But y'all, like, (laughs) I have to come out of my own world sometimes to see that. It's like our fingerprint. All of us have a unique fingerprint. I'm not over here trying to look at Vanessa's fingerprint and say, I wish I had that one. We do every day. I believe we were born knowing who we are, right? It's the conditioning, it's the programming that takes it away from us. So human design is one of many modalities and many systems that can help us remember who we are. You might find prayer, you might find it through yoga, you might find it through breath work, you might find it through a vacation that you needed to give yourself that you were denying for so long and you awakened to who you are there. Human design is is a really clear pathway there, though, I will say. When I hear and read my friends' charts, I'm like, this is so cool. It helps me understand more of like why you are. And I'm so glad that you're different than me. And I'm so glad that you're walking in your purpose. And like, it helps you just affirm where to focus. There's this thing in human design also called your incarnation cross, which is essentially your destiny. But slash and it's your destiny through walking in and staying in your lane. So it's not like your destiny just happens by accident. You have to commit to it. My destiny is that I'm here to have intimate experiences with people that lead to their transformation and mine. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go back to that word healer, because so much of what I see is people saying, Lauren's a healer. Vanessa, you're a healer, but I'm not a healer. Not me, not me. Right. And so I think that this like bifurcation that like at the extreme, the sort of like real guru paradigm, right? Like I have all the answers and I will tell you and I will fix you and I will heal you and you just need to do what I say. Right. That's like the extreme. But even in the middle, right, there is this feeling of separation between the teacher and the student, the healer and the healed. And I, I know both of us do work to sort of undermine that feeling and that when you're listening to your body and understanding your purpose and speaking your truth and knowing yourself and going under that conscious level and journaling, and then just being that thing that you are beautifully in the world, that that is rippling out healing to everybody. How do you embody fully your leadership unapologetically while also helping people understand what they have inside them? This makes me think about, I hold one-on-one space, mostly through uh, an experience that I call heart-to-heart meditation. And in every single session, and I've had around a hundred, if not more at this point, I don't know, I, I don't count them. Literally every single session I've had, that person is a divine mirror for me. 
So as much as they might be like, thank you so much for this thing. I'm like, thank you. Because the thing is, (laughs) I saw a past version of myself. I see a present version of myself or I see a future version of myself. And it's in very specific ways. And it happens very magically almost, which actually relates to human design again, because I was made aware that I carry a gate that is essentially the healer that doesn't need like training of any kind. And I've always felt this. I'm like, I want to do that training, but I feel like I already like I'm tapped into the Reiki anyway. Like I just be doing it and I can't explain it, but it does feel like energy healing. A lot of the time, it does feel like there is this divine force that is working and that it's more than just meditation. That's not to diminish the meditations, but I think that's why people are like, wow, something was really awakened in me in your meditation. And I'm like, great. Cause I was being led to lead you. So I say all that to say that shifting into thinking about any healing that you think that you need outside of you as this actually is within me, but I'm investing in this experience or I'm investing in this practice or I'm investing in this workshop because I feel a resonance with how this person holds space. And in how they hold space, I'll be able to see something more clearly. And it's not that you wouldn't have been able to get to seeing it anyway. It just might speed up the process a little bit. I have my go-to individuals that I seek to hold space for me And I feel very much this um, sense of connection with them. It's not this hierarchy of like, I'm going to you because you have something that I need that I can't get already. They're facilitating a shift through being my divine mirror for me to just like awaken to something. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, the way I think about it a lot is like when you make a decision and you realize that you'd actually known for a really long time. Yes. You just couldn't see it quite yet. So to me, when I see people, really gifted people, it's like, there's a lot that I already know. I just can't see it clearly. And Mm -hmm. people have beautiful gifts of being able to help you see things in yourself. And so I totally agree. It's the same way I approach it. And then to me, those people actually fundamentally understand that the person they're working with is really tapping into their own wisdom. Yes. I had a session recently where it was so beautiful. I always have people share their intention in advance for the session. But if spirit is leading me to go somewhere else, I have to trust it. (laughs) So essentially that's what happened. And I said, I think that we're supposed to go in this direction. And it was profound. And I didn't know this person. It was profound because they basically shared that the very thing that I felt intuitively we needed to deepen into was the very thing that they had recently avoided. But here's the powerful thing about it. And this speaks to all of us being our own healer and our highest self always being protecting us. I ended up realizing that this person needed so much space held around them in a one-on-one container that it was basically their highest self knowing I'm not supposed to deepen into this until I have someone holding space for me in a very intimate way. Because the level of like emotional release that happened in the session, it was like you needed someone there, like a one-on-one session. You shouldn't sometimes do something when you're not able to be held like in a very personal way. So I affirmed them. I was like, look, you know exactly what you need. And it was right on time. You weren't supposed to deepen into that any moment sooner. And like, 
that should show you that your spirit is always working on your behalf. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. I want to make sure that people know how to support your project, how to support home. I feel like I don't honestly know what I'm doing. (laughs) I don't know how it looks on the outside, but y'all I'm opening up this space and I'm like, we're going to see how it goes. I welcome support in all the ways, right? Monetarily, of course. You can go to blackgirlandhome.com slash home dash by dash BJO to support monetarily as well as reach out to us home at blackgirlandhome.com with what do you see? Like, how do you want to support? I already had someone who reached out saying that she has meditation cushions and she's like, I don't know if you have these already. I said, no, thank you. Perfect. Beautiful. So if I want to know how you want to support and just know that my heart is wide open. My hands are wide open. My team, we're just like, Hey, please do come over here and help. My vision for the space is that we have beautiful live streamed classes mm-hmm. and also create all of our beautiful content for our membership community in that space. It will be a beautiful space that will be sharing far and wide around the world. We have members in the circle that are from Canada and South Africa and the UK, it's like expansive. And we'll be having a wellness, like essentials shop in there as well as an apothecary. And the vision that I've recently having, it's very fresh. So it's like, it just feels very bold to even speak this. But when I started getting really passionate about herbal healing within the past year to two years and realized it was actually a part of my ancestral lineage, I was like all lit up. I was like, okay, I'm going to create these products and like, it's going to be awesome. And the space is going to have this bulk herbal apothecary. When I started looking for where I could get bulk herbal products, I wasn't able to find where I could get organic herbs in bulk from a black source, right? Black farmer, black supplier. God came through and I met this amazing black woman who is a farmer. And I was like, great. So she's going to source us with the bulk herbs. I realized recently, like this is very fresh, (laughs) y'all. Another aspect of the vision, because I was connecting with a new friend slash support of mine. And she has an herbal company. She said, I would love to just switch my supplier to to work with yours. And so I was like, wow, is Black Girl Home also going to be the source for already existing herbal brands and especially black women who are already creating herbal products and we will be that supplier. So this is like a new vision, a new fighting aspect because I know who I get the bulk herbs from and I love them, but I'm like, I want to create a new place for you to go. So (laughs) it's exciting. This is what I mean, but I don't know what I'm doing. This is like real time, like experimenting. (laughs) I I love it. But you know what? You just put that out into the world and someone's going to listen and someone's going to be like, oh, so it's even before the idea is fully baked. Let's put it out there. Um, Yeah. And I just love you for having all these ideas because I wake up in the middle of the night with ideas all the time. And there are so many of them sometimes that it's okay, slow down, slow down, slow down. But I'm glad to know there's someone else who's just like, and then I could. Yeah. Then it could. And then yeah. could, because how fun is that? <laughs> yeah. I have been really intentionally doing my best, which feels hard sometimes to shift into this idea that creating is fun. Creating is play and yeah. notice I feel resistance to that. My friend Chetna Mosaic Eye, beautiful artist, healing artist. She sent me a, a coloring book. And I, I told you earlier, we're journeying through abundance in the circle. 
I open it up. It's her coloring book, which is about abundance. And I was like, oh my God, have I colored in it yet? Why do I feel resistance to opening up the coloring book and going to town? So I'm reprogramming myself to have fun, to sink into my inner child, to have fun even building the space out. Why do I feel like it has to be this burden and this like this martyr energy of, oh, I have to create this for the Black community. Why can't it be like, I get to create this and I have all the support that I need. Oh, what a beautiful note to end on. That is what I wish you is just joy in your work because work is not always a slog. Like work can be a huge, creative, beautiful, joyful force. And that's what you are, Lauren. It was so much fun being with you. Thank you, Lauren. It has been amazing. I have had fun. (laughs) Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we welcome you to stay close and discover more of our offerings. Check us out on Instagram at Nushu or visit Nushu.com for more.